Okay, so um, we're going to jump into week number two of the series that we've been doing. We actually just kicked it off last week on the Reformation. Um, this little thing that happened 500 years ago or started 500 years ago called the Reformation. I, I want to make sure that we just kind of recap or set the table a little bit on, on like, what was the Reformation? Why are we doing a teaching series on this? Um, and so we'll just kind of get, we'll get started doing that. Um, before we do, though, interesting fact, um, I'm big on interesting facts. I was one of the people last week that said that I love history. And so I, I enjoy, I've really enjoyed this stuff because one of the things that, um, so I'm like a baby in my faith. October 14th was my five-year anniversary of my baptism. Um, yeah, I actually recently got all of the passwords and stuff for all of Finding Life's stuff. And so I found the video from my baptism, which was really cool. And um, it is not an urban, urban legend. I did have hair. So, um, and it actually looked pretty good, to be honest. So, but anyway, so what I don't have is a lot of church history knowledge. I really don't because I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up understanding what's the difference between what the church was and Protestantism. And, and so show of hands, if I asked you, you, do you know why Protestants are called Protestants, you would know how to answer that question. Yeah, we got some people that know the answer to that question. I had no idea, and so I had to Google it. Google's a, fa a fascinating thing, by the way. So when the, when the Reformation started, you had people like Luther who were protesting, and they got princes to kind of join their cause. And so they were called Protestants because they were protesting, right? I, when I Googled it and I found that answer, I was like, duh. Why didn't I <laughs> look at the word? It says protest right in there. I should have known that. Um, Okay, so anyway, the Reformation started in part because this guy named Martin Luther, who he was struggling with the church in Rome, right? Several of these things that he took issue with, he wrote down on a piece of paper called the 95 Thesis. He nailed them to the door of his church in Wittenberg, Germany. He also circulated them probably in other ways. But the church in Rome saw that Luther had a bunch of supporters. He had these princes that were protesting with him that were kind of joining his ranks. And they wanted to squash it. And so they called him before this council. Um, and the council was in this place called Worms. Okay, here's another, here's another, I, we're going to do off, uh, audience participation today. It's going to be fun. Um, we're going to do another hand-raising thing. So last week, Kevin tried to do this vote online with your smartphone thing. I am not smart enough to figure that out. So we're just going to do hands. If I, well, this is a true-false. So if I said there is a town in Nebraska called Worms, who thinks that's true? Okay, who thinks that's false? Looks like we got more trues. We got more trues. There is a Worms, Nebraska. There it is. It's right north of Grand Island, Nebraska. And the only reason I know that is because I used to be in sales and I used to drive all across the state and through all of these little towns. And I will never forget when I drove through Worms, Nebraska. It is unincorporated, but it does have a sign that says Worms on it. I have no idea why we call things worms. But anyway, um, at this council, the leaders of Rome and the church, they tried to get Luther to, to take back what he was saying to recant. They just wanted this whole thing to go away. Um, but he refused to recant. And out of that event eventually came teaching that we're going over today called the five solas of the Reformation. Um, and I think we're going to have a slide on that too. So you've got sola scriptura, which was what Kevin talked about last week, scripture alone. Um, I'm probably just going to do the English translations of these words because I'm not, not good with Latin. Grace alone, 
faith alone, Christ alone, glory of God alone. So today, we're going to dive into grace alone. And what these represent, what these five solas represent in, in grace alone, which we're going to dive into today, is kind of figurative lines in the sand, right, that the Reformation stood on. And, and so why was there a line drawn on this, this one called grace alone? Well, during this time, here's what the church said. The church said that we are saved through a combination of God's grace, the merits that we accumulate through penance and good works, and the abundance of merits that the saints before us accumulated. In other words, it's God's grace, but it's also some stuff that you have to do, like religious activities and good works, right? Um, and Martin Luther responded um, with this quote right here. Um, and I'm just going to read it for you, and you can see it there as well. For the gospel does not expressly demand works of our own by which we become righteous and are saved. Indeed, it condemns such works. So you couldn't be more opposite there. Rather, the gospel demands faith in Christ that he has overcome for us sin, death, and hell, and thus gives us righteousness, life, and salvation, not through our works, but through his own works, death, and suffering, in order that we may avail ourselves of his death and victory as though we has done it ourselves. That grammar seems a little off. We, as though we have done it ourselves. Let's put it that way. In other words, our salvation has nothing to do with our work. It is only through the work of Christ. Grace alone. Grace alone. And, and our truth for this morning, if you grabbed a handout on your way in, should be at the top of the page, and it is, grace is God's gift. We're going to just talk about three words this morning. That's it. And, and it's probably because I just got to keep it simple for myself. I'm just going to call them the three G's. Uh, the three G's of grace. And maybe that'll stick with us as we go through the week. Um, our text for this morning is Romans 3, 21 through 27. So if you've got your Bibles with you or you'd like to use your smartphones, go ahead and bust those out. Um, that is a favorite go-to of mine. Bust those out. Yes. Um, we're also going to put it up here on the screen. And I'll read it for you. Romans 3, 21 through 27. Um, says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight. When they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is based on obeying, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Okay, so there's a lot there. But seriously, three G's of grace, they're in there. That's what we're going to talk about. We're just going to pull them out of that text and we're going to go through them one by one. We're going to start with number one, which is grace. What does this word grace mean? I'll be honest, I actually Googled it. I heard the word so much when I first started coming to Finding Life. I was like, grace, grace. I always heard that term associated with women. She had grace. 
And so I was like, what does this even mean? Um, the easiest way to define the word grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor. So we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. We have to start there. We have to start by talking about sin because grace isn't grace without human sinfulness. It just isn't. As verse 23 said, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that's true, right? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I was reading a book last week that actually put it this way. We're not mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a savior, right? We water down grace. If we make, if, if we make light of our sinfulness, we, we water down the grace that God has given us. We sin by nature and we sin by choice, right? There's times in our lives when, when we know full and well what we're doing. We know full and well that we're going against something that God would want for our lives. We're choosing, to, we're choosing ourselves over him, right? We do that all the time. And we can also look back at times and say, man, I really, really was trying to do the right thing. And for some reason, I'm an idiot and I chose the wrong thing. One of the verses that has been etched in my mind for a long time is Romans 7:15, where Paul says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I, I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And this is Paul. This is Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament, who God used in, in amazing ways to, to spread the gospel um, throughout the world. And he is talking about how he struggles with his sinful nature. And for a while, that comforted me. That made me feel like, okay, I'm not... You know, Paul's a pretty big deal, right? So I'm not as broken or as, as odd or as maybe unique as everybody, as I, as I think I am sometimes. Everybody struggles with their sinful nature. And I've been recognizing this a lot lately. I told Jasmine last week that um, leave it to marriage to make you understand how absolutely and totally helpless you are <laughs> to do the right thing on your own power. Um, we just had... A couple Saturdays ago, we just had this great Saturday. We, were, uh, we spent a lot of time together, what I would call quality time, just talking about relational stuff, working through things, loving each other, praying with each other. And by Sunday night, we were fighting about the same stuff. <laughs> we were just happy that we worked through on, on Saturday morning. And it was because I was being a jerk. It's because instead of choosing to love her as Christ loves me, I was choosing what I wanted. I was fighting for what I thought was right. Right? We do that all the time, and it doesn't, like, it's just natural. It just happens. It's instinct almost. That's our sinful nature, our, our natural instinct to look out for ourselves. It's that sinfulness that alienates us from God. He created us to be in relationship with him, and he can't be in relationship with sinful people. He just can't. He is perfect. He is holy, and he can't be in the presence of sin. His perfection can't be near our imperfection, and that sin has a price, right? Romans 6, 23 for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. The wages of sin are death. That's what we deserve. We deserve to pay a penalty, right? We, we deserve to pay a debt. If we look at the heading at the top of those verses in Romans, it actually says, you know how in, in, the, in your Bible app, usually there's a heading there. I love those headings because they're just good sum, summarizing of what you're going to read. It says, Christ took our punishment. That, my friends, is grace. That is what grace is. It's the taking of punishment that's rightfully ours and giving it to somebody else, in this case, Christ. Not because we deserve it, but because we have, or because we've earned it, but that's just because that's who God is. That's our God. 
right? That's what love and grace is all about. That's just who he is. That is his character. And that brings us to number two on our outline, the second G of grace, which is God. So one of the major things in this idea of grace alone is who's responsible for, for the works of salvation, right? Is it God? Is it, is it partly God? Is it partly me? Is it me? I definitely know that's not the answer. Um, but let's go back to Romans for our answer on this. Uh, it's in verse 24 if you've got your Bible and you want to go back and look at it. This is what it says. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. I just want to go back. Yet God, in his grace, makes us right. Right? He freed us. God presented Jesus. So who makes us right? It's God. Who frees us? It's God. Who presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin? It was God. Do we contribute anything to that? And verse 27 makes that really clear. It says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? And it answers it. No. Nothing. We haven't done anything to be saved. We are saved not by our work, but by God's work. It is God's gift, which is number three on our outline. Um, a gift by its very nature is two things, right? It's free and it has some value. Think about it. When we get a gift for a birthday or for Christmas, we don't pay anything for those gifts, right? We don't get those gifts expecting anything in return, expecting anything in return. We don't give gifts with the expectation that we're going to be paid back. If a gift isn't free, then it really isn't a gift at all, right? Just as grace ceases to be grace if it isn't free, a real gift doesn't have conditions. It doesn't, it isn't a, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, I'll give you this, but there's some strings attached. That's not actually a gift. That's a quid pro quo, actually. And that's not how God operates, right? His giving you his gift of grace is not conditional, even on you wanting to receive it. We know that because if we read Romans 5, 6 through 11, it tells us we were utterly helpless. When we were utterly helpless, that's when Christ came and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, right? Though some might perhaps be willing to die for someone who was especially good, but God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, right? We had our back turned, turned on God, and that's when he sent Jesus. How amazing is that? God freely gave us his grace while while we were not paying any attention to him and had no idea what he was trying to do. He is not waiting for you to clean up your act. He's not waiting for me to clean up my act. He's not waiting for you or I to reach some kind of a level, a threshold of goodness, and then he'll forgive you, and then he'll give you his grace. His gift is free anytime, anywhere, to anyone, no matter how long your, your lists of wrongs are. And that really used to be my, get, my, my view on God. Maybe you can relate to this. This was, this was me. In, in a second, actually, we're going to have uh, another one of our family come up and share his story a little bit, too. Um, this used to be my view on God. I had this view that I had this long list of wrongs that um, I thought it was just way too long to be forgiven. There was no way that God's grace or God's forgiveness could ever cover my list of wrongs. And I thought, actually, because I didn't even know about grace or forgiveness, all I knew about was that I had to make up for all those wrongs in order to, to earn God's favor. And because 
That was impossible in my mind. I was like, why would I even try to do that? And, and in all actuality, it made me rebel even more because I was like, well, I might as well just do all the wrong I can because I'm already, you know, it's already not going to, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out for me. Um, but then I met the people of Finding Life Church and I learned about God's grace. At that time, it was revealed to me that God is gracious and that his, his gift of grace is free. And I really want us all to reflect on that this morning because when we end our time together, we're actually going to have a little time of response. And I'll explain that when we get to the end. But here's what I want you to think about. Do you remember the time that you first learned or understood for the first time that God's gift of grace was free? And do you remember how that affected you? Like really actually go back there and, and consider that. And maybe... Depending on, there's all kinds of different people in the room, and I get we're all in different places, and the great thing about God is he knows where each and every single one of you are at and where I'm at. But maybe this is the first time you're hearing about God's grace in this way, like it was for me like five years ago. Or for some reason, it sounds different than it sounded in the past. And just think about what is it that's hitting you different today? What is it about this grace that you're hearing about that is, that is hitting you different? And as you reflect on that, I want David to share uh, David has an awesome story. I don't, uh, if, if you don't know David, he's one of our elders here at Finding Life Church. He, he actually published a book last year with his testimony in it, which was amazing. Um, and I've asked David to share just a little bit of the aha moment that he had uh, when he first really came to grips with the fact that, get, that God's grace was free to him and, and how that affected his life. So, David, come on up. I'll give you the mic and let you, let you do some sharing here. Thanks. Morning, everybody. Interesting happened, a thing happened to me. Um, one of my former students picked up my book recently and said if she'd heard about it a year ago, she would have uh, picked it up then. And I was wondering, where the heck were you when I blew up the internet? You know, because I was like, I blew up the internet. And I was like, okay, but it was cool that she picked it up. But um, uh, just to give you a little background, my early church experience, I grew up in a, a pretty legalistic church. So I had a lot of rules and regulations. Um, what to do, what not to do, and how to stay out of trouble was kind of like the, the path that I was uh, on. Um, the narrow path, which was so narrow that I fell off of it all the time. It was, it was difficult. Um, but I grew up spiritually deaf, only hearing uh, my pastor say, you got to get right with God all the time. So I kind of was always worried um, that God was keeping this checklist of things that I have done wrong and that I needed to um, get right with him, which was impossible. And I kind of felt like at any moment I was going to get zapped for everything that I did wrong. So I was just always scared of God. Um, I know you guys have heard the phrase, we've never fully arrived, uh, or that we never fully arrived. Um, I was so lost that I couldn't even find the address. So um, I decided that uh, after I graduated high school, I joined the Army. So about a year and a half into my enlistment, I ended up running away for six months um, because I was caught using and selling drugs. And that's basically the, the mess that I got myself into. I got court-martialed. Stripped of my rank. I remember watching movies, you know, back in the olden days where they tear rank off of the sleeve when somebody got in trouble. That's what it felt like. Um, I got sentenced to five years in the U.S. Army prison at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and I got a dishonorable discharge, which labeled me as a dishonorable man by the U.S. Army and government for the rest of my life. Um, if, if grace were dependent on my works or what I had to offer, I would be in some serious trouble, as, as most of us. Maybe it's not as severe as, as the mess I got myself into, but we all have issues and situations, so... My aha moment came during my third year in confinement. Um, I was listening to a radio broadcast called People to People. Um, there was a pastor named Bob George who was talking about grace and forgiveness and words I'd heard in church. But somebody was calling in and struggling with this, and he, he had this kind of a, a banter back and forth. Um, but he said, when Jesus died for our sins, how many of them were in the future? And I was like, what? Okay, I never thought of that. Um, and then he said, all of them since he died over 2,000 years ago, which blew my mind. Um, 
God knew that every single sin that we had, uh, that we were going to commit before we were born, he knew of all of them, and he still died for all of us, every single person, every single sin from beginning to end of time. And I just kept thinking to myself growing up in church, how the heck did I miss all this stuff? Because they were saying it, I just didn't hear it. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and no longer counting people's sins against them. Um, I was just so blown away that God sees us that way, that we're clean, spotless, white as snow, new creation, free, released from the burden of our past, and we don't have to be identified by our past anymore because of what Christ did on the cross. Uh, my favorite verse is Romans 8.1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Um, after I heard that, I ordered Bob's book, and it was called Classic Christianity, started rereading the Bible, and all of a sudden, I heard the message of grace and forgiveness and redemption pop up all the time. It was like, it's in there. It's been there the whole time. It was, it was almost as if somebody rewrote the entire Bible just so I could understand that I was forgiven. Um, so it was aha moment after aha moment every time I would run across that. Um, but just to be honest, I still struggle from time to time with guilt and shame, uh, especially, I don't know if you guys remember 9-11, um, my brother, you know, well, the world was full of patriotism, and my brother went to Afghanistan three times, and every time he went, I just had this, like, gut feeling, like, I should be there instead of him, but I couldn't go even if I wanted to, so I, deal, I dealt with that. And then every Memorial Day, when people say, thank you for your service, knowing that I was in the military, but didn't know the whole story, um, it cuts me to the, to the core, you know, in my soul really deep. But like Romans 6, uh, 23 says, um, I deserve to die for my actions, but instead God gave us a free gift of eternal life. And I just think it's so crazy that um, after everything I've done, by God's grace, that I'm forgiven, and all I have to do is accept it. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Let's, let's, we can definitely clap for that. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate you sharing. Um, yeah, we wanted to bring David up, and, and we'll probably do this more often. Like, we just want to be a family. Like, we're a family. We just want to be a family that shares stories, that shares stories of God moving in the lives of people, transforming people's lives. That's what God wants to do, and, and that's what he did with David. And I was looking for him, and he's gone. He walked back there. <laughs> it confused me. Um, when I hear David's story, um, there's a word that comes to mind constantly, and it is uh, power. Uh, the power that, that God's grace has in our lives. And I really loved um, how he said, when he was talking about how God di or Jesus died for every sin, how many of those sins were in the future? Well, all of them were, because he died like 2,000 years ago. And how, how powerful is it that he could die at one time and take all of the sin for the entire world for the rest of eternity? Like, that's powerful. And that's, that's one of the things that the sacrifices of Jesus on the cross does, is it, it, it frees us. From, from the penalty of our sins. Frees us from the penalty, but it also frees us from the power that that sin has on our lives. Um, one of the things that I did some research on just, to, just for my own benefit, and then I ended up, it really had an impact on me, and I wanted to share it with you guys, is uh, the final words that Jesus said when he was on the cross. Uh, he said, well, in most of our translations, it says, it is finished. That's what he said. It is finished. And I went back and did a little bit of research on what the Greek word that that's translated from actually means is paid in full. That's what those words meant that Jesus said as he breathed his last breath, paid in full. Um, like I said before, as I, as I prepared to speak today, I was trying to think about everybody that would be here and all the different places that we are in our, our spiritual journey, so to speak, or our walk with God. Or, um, we just all have a different spiritual history. Um, different perspectives, different stories. And, and for some of us, 
you know, grace is kind of old hat. You know, we've been at gatherings like this for years, and we've heard about God's free gift of grace. And, and we get it, and we grasp it. Um, it would be easy for us to say, like Kevin said a few weeks ago, I know, I know, I know. Um, my son said that to me this morning, I think. I know, I know. Um, but, but let's ask ourselves this question. Don't tune it out. Don't, don't act like you've heard it before, right? Let's ask ourselves this question. I'm in that group too, by the way. I'm, I've been in gatherings like this for five years and heard about God's free gift of grace. But what I want us to think about is, are we living our lives as if our debt has been paid in full? Are we living our lives as if it is actually finished? Or are we carrying around things that, that Jesus told us a long time ago when we accepted him into our lives that we could put down? Are we carrying things around? I know I do. Absolutely, I know I do. I constantly battle. Um, I really care a lot about what people think of me. I do. It's like one of the things that I battle with more than anything else. Um, and, and I constantly have to battle and remember that because God sent Jesus to die for my sins, he secured a place, my place, in his family, and he sees me as a dearly loved son of his. And, and his view of me is the only one that matters right? But I battle with that all the time. I carry around expectations, and a lot of times they're fake expectations. They're ones I make up in my head, but I carry them around all the time. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to carry that stuff around, right? Lay it down. So what is it that you carry around? Like, think about it. Actually put your finger on it today. What is it that you battle? Maybe it's a sin issue that, that's currently like weighing you down, that's heavy on you. Maybe it's Guilt, shame, resentments, anger, frustrations about things that's happened in the past that you just have a hard time letting go of. Because it's one thing to believe something intellectually. It is. I did this with Kevin the other day. We were sitting down and we were talking, and, and, and I'm like, I believe this. I believe this. He said, I know. <laughs> and I said, I know, I know. But there's a difference between believing it and actually living in and living under that grace every single day as you live your lives. Okay, We can all sit here right now and say, yeah, I believe that. But... Are we living in it and under it as we walk through our daily lives? Maybe there's others of us in the room that, that, like David, when he heard that radio broadcast, for some reason, like he'd been hearing about this his whole life, but for some reason when he heard that radio broadcast, the Holy Spirit said, whoop, this is different. And it hit him all kinds of different. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're hearing about God in a different way today that you haven't heard before. Maybe it was something David said. Maybe it was something that I said. And for you, I ask, how would your life be different if you accepted God's free gift of grace? Because that's what he's asking us to do, right? That's our only part to play. He's not saying, go out and earn it, do a bunch of good stuff, and then maybe I'll give it to you. No, he says, just accept it. It's a gift. That's what we do with gifts, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we stink at accepting gifts. We're like, no, it's okay. I don't deserve that. But it's a gift. And, and we don't have to earn it or anything. He's saying just accept it. Verse 22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That's it. Believe. That's it. We try to make it way more complicated than that, but that's all he's saying. Salvation is based on belief in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I think sometimes, and I'm totally ad-libbing here, but the monitor says I have time. I think that when we talk about sin and we talk about forgiveness, like we carry with it this weight, right? We feel almost 
Like, again, Jesus is not wanting us to feel guilty about this. Guilt and shame are gone. But we carry it around still. Like, oh, I'm a sinner, you know, I'm broken, I'm, I'm terrible, you know, I need God's grace. And, and we almost, this is a reason to celebrate. This is a reason to be joyful. This is not a reason to feel bad, to feel guilty. It is not. It is a reason. I mean, you, you got something. Think about it this way. Okay, most of us in the room have mortgages, right? We have a house, we pay a mortgage. Actually, the bank owns our house and we give money to the bank every month so that we could live in the house and keep our stuff there. What if somebody called you tomorrow morning and said, hey, your mortgage is paid off? I'd imagine we'd probably celebrate, right? We'd go out for a steak dinner or something, wouldn't we? Come on, Finding Life, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would. And this gift is way better than that, right? For, for your eternity, Right? Your life is different. Your life has changed when you accept Jesus, when you believe in him, and when you accept God's free gift of grace. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back up now um, as I wrap up. And the band is going to play Amazing Grace, which is fitting, right? We should sing Amazing Grace when we're talking about this. Um, and as they play this song, um, Jasmine and David um, are going to kind of post up in the back over there. This is something we're going to kind of something new we're going to start doing is we're going to have people in the back available um, if you want to be prayed for. Um, we've never done this before, but it's something new we want to try to get in the habit of, and it's been kind of hard for us to get in the habit of it. But this is a great excuse to get in the habit of it, okay? So I described kind of two different ways that you might be feeling right now. Maybe, maybe you've accepted Christ and you've had a relationship with Christ for some time, but but you know, like, man, I'm just I'm carrying something around that I know Jesus doesn't want me to carry around. And, and you want to get rid of that. <clears throat> you want to lay it at the foot of the cross. And you would like them to pray for you, to help you let go of whatever guilt, shame, resentments, anger, whatever it is that you're carrying that Jesus doesn't want you to carry. All right? They're available back there, for, and they would love to pray for you. Um, maybe you're somebody that is hearing about this, this amazing gift of grace for the first time, or it's just hitting you different than it ever has before, and, and you've not accepted Christ into your, into your heart before, and you would like to do that. You want to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I recognize my sin. I believe in Jesus and, and, and God's sacrifice and his free gift of grace, and you would like to make that step, take that step of faith and accept Christ. They would love to pray for you to receive Christ. It's not the prayer that saves you, okay? It is just an outward expression of an inward reality. It's work that God's doing in your heart, okay? But they're there for that too. They're there any other reason you guys want prayer. Seriously, they're back there for you guys uh, during this last song. Um, that is all I have. So let's pray, and then we'll move on to that, okay? Um, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you doesn't even do it justice, but thank you for your gift of grace. Um, thank you that it's free that you don't give it with strings attached and expectations and, and expecting us to try to match it with some kind of good work. Um, I know that we all struggle with that in one way or another, of feeling like we need to get right with God, get right with you. And I pray that, that this truth would just settle into our hearts this morning, God, that, that you made us right. You have made us right. And I pray that that wouldn't just be something that we feel on Sunday morning, um, God, that I pray for each and every one of us that we, would, that we would feel it every single day, 
as we live our lives, that we would live under that grace, that it would create a freedom, a peace, a joy as we live our lives, that we don't have to live under the weight of what the world tells us we have to. God, that you have freed us from the penalty and the power of sin to live radically different lives. I pray that you would make that true in our hearts today, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.